Hello, and welcome to In Conversation With, the podcast from The Lancet Microbe. It is January 2024, and I am Elena Vecchia. Today, I am delighted to be joined by Honorary Professor Deborah Williamson and Dr. Michael Moser, researchers at the Department of Infectious Diseases at the University of Melbourne, Australia. We will be talking about their study, non-SARS-CoV-2 respiratory viral detection and whole genome sequencing from COVID-19 rapid antigen test devices, a laboratory evaluation study. Thank you for joining me, Deborah and Michael. In your study, you aim to test the feasibility of extracting respiratory viral nucleic acids from COVID-19 rapid antigen test devices. Before we talk about your study specifically, could you give us a bit of context on why you thought this could be potentially useful and feasible? Yes, and thank you for um, having us on the podcast. So as a bit of background, the study was obviously conducted in the context of the COVID-19 pandemic, where rapid antigen tests, um, also obviously known as lateral flow devices, became a really common tool for diagnosing SARS-CoV-2 infection. We hypothesized that given the wide use of rapid antigen tests in various settings, including hospitals and community settings, we thought that even when these devices test negative for COVID-19, the devices may contain recoverable nucleic acids of other respiratory viruses, which could in turn potentially provide a novel surveillance method for monitoring um, uh, circulating respiratory viruses. And I guess that's also in the context of um, enhanced awareness and I guess, global caution, if you like, around the emergence of other respiratory viruses in that sort of, you know, peri and post-pandemic world that we live in. And so I guess we were concerned that as PCR rates for um, detecting SARS-CoV-2 were dropping, then there might be a bit of of a black hole, so to speak, in genomic surveillance. So we wanted to do this, um, I guess, proof of concept study. Thank you very much, Deborah. Michael, could you now run us through what you actually did in your study? Yeah, so the aim of the study really was to demonstrate that we can detect and sequence non-SARS-CoV-2 respiratory viruses from rapid antigen test devices. Uh, And we used two commercially available devices that we had accessible in Melbourne at the time of the study. That was the PanBio COVID-19 antigen, uh, rapid antigen test device and the Roche SARS-CoV-2 antigen self-test devices. And and for clarity, these are the conventional, I guess, um, COVID-19 rapid antigen tests, not the more recent ones that um, uh, uh, detect influenza or RSV, other respiratory viruses. So this is the single flex um, SARS-CoV-2 rapid antigen test devices. Um, And we wanted to integrate this process with existing assays we had already um, in the laboratory, so using our real-time multiplex respiratory PCR, um, we can detect um, influenza viruses, human metanemovirus, parrot influenza, rhinovirus, RSV, and, and seasonal coronaviruses. So we selected these respiratory viruses as part of this laboratory evaluation study. So initially what we did is we used um, viral culture, isolate material that we had previously uh, had been prepared in the lab really as a, as a proof of concept um, that we can extract our respiratory viruses from the rapid antigen test devices and really to optimize that procedure. Um, and after that, we used um, 
nose and throat swabs that have previously been collected and stored um, at our labs. So this, this is the Victorian Infectious Diseases Reference Laboratory, uh, which is a, the, the main public health lab in, in Victoria and Melbourne in Australia. Um, and we selected um, stored samples that we knew had previously tested positive for a respiratory virus. So there, in total, we had uh, 140 respiratory viral targets and, and had a cut down about 20 negative controls as well. So what, what we did first is we applied these samples to the two different rapid antigen test devices, and we really tried to mimic actual use of the rapid antigen tests as much as possible. So we first measured the approximate volume that's usually applied into uh, the rapid antigen test with the dropper. So for the, the Panbio, this was around 250 microliters and about 100 for the Roche. Um, and we mixed the, the clinical sample with the supplied test kit buffer in mean, a one-to-one ratio and then um, applied those, dropped them onto the rapid antigen test device, waited for the 15 minutes to make sure there was no cross-reactivity, no line appearing on the test, and let it sit in air drive for about two to three hours. After that, we then extracted the membrane inside to use a blunt device to open the test device, remove the test strips, um, incubate them in some lysis buffer, um, and then um, uh, spun, spun that down and aspirated the supernatant from the pellet. And that supernatant then really just went through our, our standard procedure for performing our multiplex um, respiratory PCR. What we did is we repeated the PCR on the primary sample so that the archive needs sample at the same time to get a baseline PCR cycle threshold value. And we compared that to the PCR cycle threshold value we, we obtained from um, the PCR performed from the device extracted sample to look at it whether we lost um, sensitivity in that detection. Um, so the, another big part of that, of that was then also doing uh, performing whole genome sequencing from these device extracted samples really as a way to further enhance the potential use of this, this strategy for surveillance. And we used a whole uh, capture-based whole genome sequencing method um, for that. That's great. Thank you. So what were your main findings? And did you look into ways of optimizing your protocol for nucleic acid recovery? So we found that the process worked. So we were able to detect each of the seven different virus and viral taxa using both the viral culture isolates and the clinical um, samples from both Panvio and the Roche rapid antigen test devices. Um, but there was quite a lot of variability across the different viruses that we tested. So of the 140 archived samples that we tested, um, the proportion of the samples where we had detection of the respiratory virus on the PCR from the device extracted sample compared to that primary sample was around 60% for both devices. Um, and it really, there was quite a bit of variability depending on which of the viruses um, we look at. So the detection was highest or the recovery was highest for, for what we found for non-envelope viruses. So that's um, uh, adenovirus um, and um, uh, viroviruses, where it was close to 100%. Uh, but it was a little bit more variable for the other viruses. So influenza was at A was about 50%, influenza B a bit lower, about 25%. The remaining were between about 50 to 70%, a bit lower still, which seasonal coronaviruses and, and just minor differences across the two devices. Um, what we found was that um, 
really the baseline cycle threshold value. So the, the starting viral load really affected your detection. So the starting CT in the, in the primary sample, if it was less than 30, it much higher ability to detect that from the rapid antigen test device compared to with the starting CT was above 30. Um, so, and, and with the high CT value above 30, we're talking about 20 to 30% um, detection versus around 80% with the lower CT of 30. Um, and so, of course, for this to be an applicable um, strategy as part of surveillance, we need to try and improve that detection as well as improve detection um, over time. So in, in the results I've just discussed, that's incubating at two to three hours. We also looked at longer time points, so 24, 48, uh, 72 hours up to one week and found that there is a decrease in detection from rapid antigen test devices on these respiratory viruses over time. So we did look at a range of ways that we could try and improve detection and recovery of, of nucleic acids from these devices. One, um, through differences in storage temperature, so looking at refrigeration of the rapid antigen test devices versus room temperature versus incubating at warmer temperatures of 37 degrees, um, or application of um, preservative-type material. Um, so um, we used um, uh, two commercially available preservatives, RNA later and DNA RNA shield, as well as different viral transport media um, and in this analysis, where we used uh, a viral culture isolate material for, for this purpose, we found that refrigeration of rapid antigen test devices at four degrees, or the use of RNA later, um, really improved recovery of um, respiratory viral nucleic acids even up to one week. I mean that includes influenza B and the seasonal coronaviruses, where we had very low detection, well, relatively lower detection. Um, when just incubated at, at room temperature. Um, with regard to the sequencing, uh, so again, we for the purposes of the sequencing, we actually formed this on um, the pulled samples of the different viral taxa. Um, and in total, we tested 56 different archival samples and we detected viral sequences in um, 55 of 56 in the pan bio, 48 of 56 in the rose. So um, detection was, was quite high using the whole genome sequencing method, and the bulk of those, almost 90% of those um, sequences were more than 90% complete. Deborah, as uh, Michael described, the bulk of your study was lab-based, but you did include a small real-world validation part. Could you tell us about this and also expand on how you envision translating your proof-of-concept study to clinical use? and on how you think its wider implementation might be used in the context of surveillance of respiratory viruses. Yes, yeah, and I guess, you know, this is the key question, I think, that emerges from the study. So um, we did a small-scale validation conducted in an emergency department setting at the Royal Melbourne Hospital. Um, and I have to say that that small-scale validation bil built on, I guess, a, a body of great collaborative work we did with with that emergency department during the COVID pandemic, which I think talks to the the need for these, you know, really strong laboratory clinical partnerships when you're doing this kind of translational research. And in fact, we had worked with them on on our original study showing proof of principle of being able to sequence SARS-CoV-2 from rapid antigen tests. So this was a sort of natural extension of this validation study to look at non-SARS-CoV-2 respiratory viruses. 
So essentially what we did was we were able to reactivate our a protocol that we had with them and uh, collect, um, uh, used, if you like, COVID-19 rapid antigen test devices from the emergency department, both positive ones and negative ones. And um, these were collected daily um, uh, and um, brought to the laboratory, which is a, within a very short, uh, short walk across the road, essentially, um, uh, to our laboratory. Um, and there was great buy-in, I have to say, from the staff at the emergency in the in the emergency uh, department, um, because I guess they could also see, you know, that if we were able to um, uh, provide results back to them in a reasonably quick time frame, then you know it, ha- it does have have that potential utility as well. So yes, small-scale validation study. Um, uh, where rapid antigen tests um, uh, were used on patients with respiratory symptoms. So, um, and so, uh, I guess the small-scale validation was useful from um, uh, a laboratory sense, but also from a clinical sense, where uh, sort of demonstrated the feasibility of doing this in a real-world setting. More broadly, I guess wider implementation could, we think, anyway, enhance um, public health monitoring. Um, of respiratory viruses, you know, enabling early detection and characterization of emerging respiratory viruses, particularly in outbreak settings. So I guess that talks to next steps. Where would this be used? And so uh, I guess there are, are, are a variety of use cases, which were sort of alluded to, I guess, in the paper, um, which um, would be, I think, of global utility. So not just of use in you know, the emergency department setting, but one could imagine them being used in, for example, um, settings where there may not be immediate access to PCR testing, um, and then obviously further downstream genomic sequencing. So I I think what some of our research demonstrates is that it's feasible to collect these devices, transport them to a laboratory, do PCR testing on them to determine uh, to detect a pathogen, and then further genomic characterization. So what we think it does is to expand the geographic scale, if you like, of genomic surveillance, but also expand uh, genomic surveillance into settings and populations where PCR testing may not be feasible. Um, and I guess that that is the next step. That That sort of leads on, if you like, to the next phase of research. And I think Further research will focus on larger scale validation. So we only use two commercially available devices that clearly needs to be broadened out to other ones um, and refinement of the methodology. Um, And I think from a clinical and public health sense, studies should really explore. And and what we hope is that others will pick up the baton really um, and take this on um, and explore the integration of this approach into existing surveillance systems and effectiveness in different settings. In terms of laboratory-based research, I mean, clearly additional research will be needed to, I guess, optimize storage and transport conditions, ensuring maximal recovery of nucleic acids. But um, as I say, we hope that this study has opened the door, if you like, to, um, I guess, uh, additional research conducted by us. But we really hope um, that other people will 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 take this and run with it as well. And um, and obviously, we are very happy 
to provide um, uh, as much information or expertise as needed to others who want to work in this area. It sounds as though there is a lot of potential for the continuation of your work. So is this what you are planning to continue working on or are you hoping that others will carry this work on? I certainly think, yes, we'll be doing some additional work on this, but as you mentioned, there's huge potential and uh, you know, the, the best research comes from collaboration <laughs> uh, and it comes from, I guess, um, revalidation and um, I guess... Um, uh, I think the more the merrier, I guess, with this research. Um, and obviously, you know, self-testing for infectious diseases using lateral flow devices isn't going away. There's a huge appetite for this now post-COVID-19. Um, and this may well be able to be expanded to other infectious diseases. So, um, as I say, this is a proof of principle um, study where the potential is... Um, enormous. Um, I would just say, obviously, there were some limitations to the to the study as well, and I think it's obviously important to highlight this. It was a relatively small sample size, and as was spoken about earlier, there was a, um, a, I guess, a large reliance on archival clinical samples. And as you've highlighted, there is a need to do this um, in in um, you know much wider clinical and public health settings. Um, and we, we obviously did highlight some challenges in sample storage and transport conditions that may impact virus recovery. But as I say, I think what the study ha has successfully shown is, is proof of principle in expanding respiratory virus genomic surveillance. Yeah, and I think the public has also become a lot more aware of these types of devices. So it will probably become easier to use them for surveillance because of public awareness. Absolutely. And and you know, I think you know, having these having these tests um, is a um, you know it is a way of expanding and in in a certain sense democratizing you know testing. Well, thank you so much. I think you've answered all of my questions. Really, you can listen to Dr. Moser and Professor Williamson's research online now at thelancet.com. Thanks again to Dr. Moser and Professor Williamson, and thank you for listening to this episode of In Conversation with. Remember, you can subscribe to In Conversation with The Lancet Microbe wherever you usually get your podcasts. <laughs>